0: David how are you
1: it's good to see you again mate. I'm Those good I'm,
0: I'm not too bad I I'm surprised I'm still here I got virtually washed away and blown away at the weekend we've uh had a lovely summer's uh weekend here in the UK um yeah it's I'm not too bad
1: <laughs> well I'm always happier when the Premier League's back mate you know yeah when was the, when the games good. start back you know uh, cricket's great but now that's all over we can start getting focused back on the football and and, and seeing some games and there was lots of goals again which was wonderful yeah. to see you know and uh, it's still up in the air about who's going to be doing what but it's, it's great so and that i suppose links into having another really great football guest on um and this time from the other side of the world you know so we've got uh, uh, uh kelly cross on from sydney fc uh, who i met when i was out there traveling uh, with my family back in 2019 now we'll talk about weather i went down to their training oh. ground that was a super south storm <laughs> i've never seen <laughs> rain like it in my life since i was in the amazon and um and i had a wonderful conversation with kelly when i was over there I got to meet his, his staff and they were so welcoming I even got some pizza which was nice and then uh, when kelly was over here doing a talk with i think it was charlton or another club and um, we caught up in broadstairs yeah we had a, a pint down on the coast there which was nice and a little bite to eat. So Kelly's a great guest. He's got a wealth of experience. So for our football audience, you know, some of the nuggets that they're going to get from Kelly are going to be amazing. And uh, I just, like I say, appreciate him giving up the time because I think it's nine o'clock at night over there and uh, we're in here at lunchtime. So it's fantastic after a long day that he's, he's managed to give us a bit of his busy time and uh, take us through his thoughts and, you know ideas on different things around coaching coach development etc and uh, how to develop young people ultimately at sydney fc so kelly it's it's brilliant to see you again um thank you for giving us the time to come on and share your ideas and giving you know our listeners you know some real insight into elite level uh football coach education uh, especially from a different perspective in another side of the world and uh we want to get those perspectives and see what people think. So, Kelly, for our guests, though, who might not be fully aware of of yourself, would you be able to give us an overview of how did you end up in Australia? Because I know I yeah. think you're originally from Kent.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. Thanks, Simon. And, and and thanks, David. Thanks for the invitation. First of all, it's always um, a pleasure to be able to, to talk to people about, about football. And uh, who knows, you know, give people a few ideas um i know along my along my path there were people that gave me a few nuggets or a little bit of inspiration that, um so the, the opportunity or potential of doing that is uh is exciting for me but again thanks for the invite it was a pleasure to meet you um yeah those years ago. um you should come out again because we've you know just opened a new building and things have evolved in a in a really interesting way since we spoke then and some of some of which might come out today so yeah you're right i did i did grow up in basically southeast london kent border i went to school mm-hmm. in, in Romley. um and it's kind of where the journey started because obviously played football at school our school was a very strong school in the area um and I, I played for northwest kent and i was gutted i didn't make the kent team and you know that, that knocked her mm-hmm. around a little bit but ended up interesting story I'd, i started off studying latin at, at king's college oh. london so obviously the story there is, of course, that no one's journey is linear, and mm. different things happen. And there was even a period during university when I was the singer in a band in a kind of um, new wave band as a singer songwriter. Yeah. I, thought, I thought that might be my career. You know? And yeah, yeah. Then I thought, no Latin, I'll be an academic. And after a year of Latin, su- surprised me enough, I said, I'm going to go back into PE, <laughs> which is what my, my interest. So I did a, I did a a degree in fiscal education at Avery Hill College, which is now part of Greenwich University. And and that's where I think the kind of serendipity or the weirdness of people's journeys and interconnectedness of things comes. Because mm. it was, I'd never thought about being a coach. So I was kind of 20, 21, 22. And as part of the course, the PE course back then, uh, we did a two day FA teacher's diploma. Mm. Um, Funnily enough, many of your older listeners might know Robin Russell, who was yeah, yeah. quite I'm sure you do as, mm. as an FA figure. Robin Russell was actually quite young and he delivered that teacher's diploma back in 81, 82 for university. And it got a bit that's quite interesting. You know, some practices, and you know, this guy, this Robin's quite a good guy. That was like a not decent kind of job. Didn't think any more of it. And then towards the end of the degree, they said to so everyone on the course. If you want to do the fa prelim i'm not sure how old your listeners are
1: yeah yeah.
3: back
2: in the days when it's the fa prelim and it was the fa full badge and college said anyone who wants to attend the um pre uh, the the fa prelim college will cover the costs
3: mm-hmm.
2: now the, one of those watershed moments because if not maybe i never would have done that and it wouldn't have gone from there right yeah um and i should also say our college actually we we got to two national finals so we were british colleges runners up one year and then British colleges champions um, the following year. So it's a bit of football at the school. Um, so I did the prelim and loved it. So this mm. is around 83, 84. And all of a sudden I saw something that was this is this is great. This is what this is what where I feel really comfortable doing. Um, but then you kind of back to your back to your studies and your, your, your degree and confusing the waters at that time was my family had emigrated to Australia. Right. Strange ah. strange enough, leaving me and my brother behind. You know, <laughs> you up in the morning, there's a message on the table, you get know, dinner's in the fridge. And but anyway, <laughs> no, they they had gone. So that mum and dad and the other three brothers went to Australia. So that was kind of that was happening in the background. So I might have finished her. Yeah. So I'll go and join them and see what happens. But just I had this little spark of football Somewhere i don't know anything about a coaching career or anything but just this this running coaching sessions having a teaching background and a bit of a football background mm-hmm. putting them together on the fa pyramid it, it all kind of felt right but i didn't even know there were jobs in coaching at that point other than you could go to the u.s like a lot of yeah. guys did those u.s yeah. camps didn't realize there was coaching jobs at that point and then mm-hmm. So that's how I got to Australia, Simon. And that's um mm. and I've been here ever since. That's since eighty-five. So I do consider myself Australian. So when we beat your women in the World Cup semi-final tomorrow, <laughs> it will be it will be yeah. our women. they yeah. beating you. So yeah, so yeah, to sort of fast fast forward a little bit, then I just got into playing here with some, some expats basically. My brother was already out there. Um kind of low, lower level, just playing with mates. And then Um, I started playing for this kind of ethnic club but there was a bit of money you could get paid to play a little bit. Okay, that's nice. And the coach left. So I wasn't really thinking about coaching. Um, Then I thought, because some guy I played with has said, who I used to do some training sessions for at this amateur club, said, you should get into coaching. It never occurred to me. And another Mm. kind of watershed moment. A guy I'm still in touch with um, in Sydney now. I thought, oh, Maybe he's right. So, when this and then this coach left, and I, I said, Oh, if you want, I'll be player coach next year. So, I was 26, 27, yeah, and be a player coach, give it a go. And kind of the FA prelim stuff and teaching background coming to the fore, yeah, um, and again, and a PE teacher, so an idea about training and exercise. Mm. So, I became player coach of this lower division club, and we, we won the league and the cup that year. So, I thought. This. God, <laughs> oh, this, this, this is on that. The best. Yeah. <laughs> the best. I've got you know. So this is really for me. It's still funny, but again, yeah. the serendipity of weirdness of it because I really thought I'd do any courses in Australia. And there used to be this old newspaper called the Australian and British Soccer Weekly. Hmm. And the main thing you'd read is it had, half of it was the English results before yeah. before the internet anything like that. And you get it and you go through some english stuff and there'll be a little bit of australian stuff at the back and i just happened to see a very small ad on the back page of this little rag of a soccer weekly um not a glossy magazine by any stretch and it said level three coaching course call 629-1800 yeah you know what a level three coaching course was and again if i if i had called that number i might not be where i don't know hmm. And I rang up, and it turns out the Level 3 was the highest course you could do at the time. Right. And I've just rung up out of the blue from this little black on my head. Um, and the guy said, oh, have you got any coaching qualifications? I said, I've still got the FA prelim. Oh, that's oh, good. That means you're, that's equivalent to our Level 2. You can go on to the Level 3.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Level 3 coaching course, um, and people went on that. And then because the guys, at the, and this was the state body, um, saw me on the course, knew I was a teacher. And therefore, I had school holidays, and they could use me in the school holidays for state teams, which is kind of representative teams.
3: Yeah. And I slowly
2: got involved in that. And then I got involved with some Sunday nights, helping out with some young kids, kind of a select squad, one of which was Harry Kuehl. So Harry Kuehl at right. 11 or 12. And then it just clicked where a full-time job could come from this. Mm. and at the time that the the boss of the state of new south wales is looking for an assistant director of coaching who could also run this new school program where it's football during the school um again harry the school that harry kill was at, and so i went full-time that's where i got to that that gets us to 1993 simon oh wow (laughs) that's everything up to 1993 and and i went full-time at 1993 and then it's a bit since then but i'm not sure whether you'd like to me to take a break or anything at this point no
1: no i i I think this is this is amazing because it shows that journey that you've gone on and almost i like the fact that it's serendipitous you know you're saying certain things have happened that have sort of taken me in the direction that it's gone. So, yeah, by all means, we'd we'd love the full bio, because I think our, our questions will formulate off, oh, what was that and how was this? Yeah, so, I, yeah by all means, please. And, yeah.
0: and also, I just wanted to add as well, because um, what you've been involved in is a growing, I, I was going to say like a growing storm, or you've been riding the wave as football's been getting mm-hmm. bigger in Australia. So I know speaking from my experiences and my interest and also our listeners they'd be fascinated to hear kind of um how you've been involved in that because yeah it, it's just it's football's now at a level that <laughs> you must have seen yeah. it grow fairly uh large from a very small foundation so yeah carry on it would be fascinating yeah. to hear how it's developed since that yeah you right.
2: And I should yeah, I was just set that point. What, what, is, what is interesting, I think, to, to to all of us here and and listening, is that um, as I said before, the, no journey is the same, right?
3: Mm, um,
2: yeah. But what does strike me, and we have to be mindful of it, is that um, to be aware of your own profile, so your own personal profile. So only recently in, in my life, for for a couple of reasons, one was a leadership course, and one was the work I do with FIFA. To do lead to do like a personality profile yet and you know this there's, there's many mm. of them right but both of them even though they're different mo- mo- um, models of doing it i mean right in the what they call the creative half right there's a there's a with some models there's a top half and a bottom half and the top half is all creative you know freedom express and big picture and the bottom half which which i get very low scores on is process plan um, mm. organized not comfortable mm. with chaos right so there's certain things about that the football that have attracted me or perhaps have um have helped me along the way but of course for the for the other percentage of your listeners there's lots of people who've had careers and progressed on the other with the other profile there's something about i think just being mindful of your own profile mm. and it could be that your, your your own profile or personality leads you a certain way or takes you towards certain things um, and it, yeah, I guess with mine it's just the the the, the openness to creativity. I mm. think when you when you think about that, what, why I'm most comfortable with that is because that that because that's the game, right? It's mm. having for me, it's having a personality that matches the game. That it's and there's those coaches that are process driven. You you know, and it's their model, and they know every pass. But I'm yeah. down the other end, and of course both can work, both can yeah. be successful, and therefore I guess the message is that. Yeah, this is just one. What I talk about is just something that, that worked for me. So, um, mm. but in, anyway, so to continue, so that so in 1993 when I went full time, so that was for the state body of New South Wales, um, but a bit small, not not massive amounts of staff on the technical side. In fact, I was the second technical member, <laughs> and so that that became interesting. What what we many people soon have to recognise or get used to in football, all of a sudden. I went from being a teacher and doing football on the side and knocking off at five to three, you know, pretty much like, and, yeah. and that was it. And school holidays, and didn't particularly put too much effort into being a teacher. Uh, but when, then I went full-time football and I'm doing 60 hours, 70 hours a week and it, yeah. and without even thinking about it, mm. that's that difference. And I think one, one message I think for the for listeners is, or people who want to get into football, um, don't, well, I guess some people can get into football and take it easy, but I think there's something about it. you get into football, get into it, put put the hours in, it, obviously it will benefit you. Mm. But to have this privilege of being able to do work that doesn't feel like work. Yeah. Um, so I was doing 67 hour, 70 hour weeks for this guy and loving it. Mm. Just from being pulled from pillar to post, coaching courses, go and do a regional thing, coach two teams. Different training sessions, two sessions, one night here, plus having this school program during the day. Um, so, and that, and that became interesting because then I did this, it was called, it's, it's still going, it's called Westfield Sports High School. Um, and it's the number one, the first ever sports high school in Australia. And this was the football program. Um, and having that as a full time job, it grew into, you know, there was only three squads, you know, at the time, sorry, two squads, year seven, year eight. And mm-hmm. year by year it grew. And having a full timetable of coaching three or four sessions a day at school, plus the evening sessions that, that were part of the job with the um, kind of elite squads, if you like, um, to get so many hours on the clock so quickly and also mm. out of the spotlight. I'm trying things at school. No, I was watching. I'm trying things yeah. with, you know, Harry Kuhl and these boys, um, uh, trying things out been able to do that you know to talk about your ten thousand hours you know even though that's a bit of yeah. a question in theory these days but <clears throat> just experience hours mm. on the clock it was uh it was incredible for me um yeah not any any questions at this point i think it might be nice just to jump in and out with you guys yeah as things come along yeah. anything from you dave no i i was going to say i think the the harry
0: keel link is fascinating so i suppose it, it you don't need to talk about it now, but I suppose it'd be nice to hear how you were involved, you know, from to the development of what we kind of know him as uh, when he came over to these shores to play, I suppose. But we can come back to that. But that, I, I know our listeners, yeah. will, their ears would have been pricked by that. Because from yeah, my perspective, yeah. Kelly, I, I think um, talking about coaching and coach
1: education is we, we've had a couple of colleagues from mine at the FA on. And I know you do coach education as well. Now, what type of approach were you utilizing then? Because, you know, we've, we've highlighted back then it was very much copy and paste coaching from an FA coach education mm. perspective. And that's how you you were seen as a, a, a worthy coach or, you know, you've, you can you, you tick the boxes. But now you're saying, well, actually, I'm probably more at the creative end at the spectrum. So where does that transition take place? Because. Myself, back then, when I was a beginner coach, it was very much structured boot camp. I'm in control. Do as you're told when you're told. Mm. But I got Mm. freer as I got more confident or expert in the topic and maybe people. So when did you Mm. did you where did you start off? Were you very much um, linear or have you always been creative and tried to implement uh, things from a different perspective?
2: No, I think it's spot on. I think that 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 almost mirrors my kind of development. Um, Simon. so it was. Well, yeah, so you you learn away, mm. and what I think because this happened here, and what we did in Australia, because I, I I wrote a lot of the courses, well, all the courses um, when I was at the National Association. Yeah.
3: Um,
2: and it seems to me, having experienced what I went through with the FA,
3: mm-hmm. uh,
2: and hopefully what we delivered, here, I think there's something in a coach's career where um you you need a framework someone needs to give you something right yeah. and ideally and i and I'm, this is obviously the FA have always been good at this um and of course they've evolved in what they deliver but I think what the English have always done well is it makes sense it, yeah. it's very well presented and it's very logical when you look at that and say these guys know what they're doing if you know even though the content has changed mm-hmm. um in, a, in an admirable way for the English FA but as a young coach, um, it, I think you need something where you go, yeah, that makes sense to me. That is going to help me, and I will take that, and off I'll go. Now that's yeah. what tends to happen. The the problem or the challenge that emerges is that if that is all you ever do, you might be limited. Yeah. Um, so the, the so the national association might be happy because every coach that leaves a course. We know they're out there doing something positive and it's not you know it's not destructive so mm-hmm. even the minimum guy that yeah. goes away you know the guy goes away from the course it's doing something yeah but to go a long way at a certain moment then the basic requirement in my opinion is an open mind
3: mm-hmm. and
2: and in my opinion a little bit of creativity but an open mind to actually say yeah i've got that framework um but something else has come along that 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 allows me to add to that or take something out of the framework that i was kind of um, initially given Mm. and as we all know at a certain moment and and over time i don't think you can fast track it over time it's something that's yours and people start talking about their personal philosophy um I, i do think it's quite not funny but you know um you see guys who are so young talking about i have my personal coaching philosophy and i sometimes i think you haven't had time to get one you know yeah um and that and that sounds critical and you know it's not meant to be but um i certainly know now to your point simon to your question is mm. and it's an interesting one because i look mm. back on those years and if i went out on the park now um i don't think i'd coach very much like that at all yeah right um more intuitive now but, would you say yeah, but, but hmm. there's some, but there's also something that always nags at me. Was, was that um, so? For example, one of one of the, the, the there was a girl who was one of the few girls in that program at the sports high school, um, and she's a legend of Australian football. She played, she played for the national team for the Matildas when she was fourteen. Played over hundred games. She played at World Cups. Um, she's a, a leader in in the sport now, and she, even now, when she's when she speaks to me, she says, you know, you, you know. It's all because of you, and you made me, and and all, and all the things she said that you know were great about what I did, in her opinion, are mm. things that I'm now saying I wouldn't be. Yeah. I would not be doing that, you know. So there's something, yeah. there's something about, Well, you, what have you thrown out? You know, I'll throwing out the baby with the bathwater. So mm. I think that's, a, I think that's a, a, a nice message for listeners: is that um, there's, there's always a groundswell of opinions or flavor of the month on Twitter or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. That people kind of just go with. I guess the message is just don't, they you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Don't, don't just uh, reject everything from before. So, so to elaborate on the on the answer, then Simon is that yeah, um, much more. When when things come along, as I said, you 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 see things, you go on a course, so or you hear something. If you've got that open mind, what what will tend to happen is so so, and you are open minded and 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 able to take that things come along and you go yeah that makes sense you know yeah i should be doing that so when people start talking about player centered or mm, mm. you know um, emergent philosophy you go yeah actually that makes sense yeah. um and you and you and you start going down those lane ways and and not not try and stay kind of locked where you are so that is yeah. that's, that's a, a long answer to that one
1: No, it it makes perfect sense for me because we've obviously had good conversations when I was in Sydney with you. And since, you know, even on, you know, some of our calls and and I introduced you to Sam Jarman as well. And I don't know if you ever had a conversation Mm -hmm. with Sam and he's got some really, really good ideas around that. So um, where are you at currently then in relation to your approaches? Because it's not fixed, is it? You know, that's the thing. There's flexibility and adaptability in it driven by context so you may use one approach with one group slightly different but i know your academy director you know at sydney so you're shaping what that philosophy looks like for you and everyone that you come in contact for that environment so could you what? give us some insights into you know what's currently driving your, your thoughts around player development coach development <clears throat> in that context
2: yeah so um it's it's really fascinating now to be in a position that is um eight years since we started so it's um as you know simon it was a project that when i was with the national Association, i left the national association to to do this job and one of the things that attracted me was um the fact that it was a blank piece of paper so that yeah. the, the academy didn't exist um so i won't go into the reasons why kind of australian football has kind of evolved backwards but um anyway so no academy and what was really attractive at the time was there wasn't even a piece of paper or a person or a coach or a player or a training session nothing absolutely nothing existed so there's a fairly i don't think that happens often that you mm. you know you go to a professional club not to with a change management and influence creating from the ground up so that's a um well, I not if it's unique, but certainly a, a really uh, absorbing and fascinating project. Um, so just just before that mo- that moment, I'd, I'd done a course with the AIS, which is the Australian Institute of Sport. And through my role at the National Association, I was the football person on this leadership course. And they wanted sports leaders from all the sports. So it was about 20 of us, and it was the first ever course that they, they ran, run. Um, and it's purely about leadership and it was just a game changer just an mm. eye opener for me in terms of these, these facilitators were, were brilliant um they actually delivered mbas is what their normal job was uh, for the melbourne business school and they took us on this course which had a number of modules over a period of time and it just totally changed the way i looked at um being a leader or a manager in, mm-hmm. in anything let alone football um so that was that that uh prepared me for this role to actually maybe there's a, a different way of doing things um rather than just defaulting into okay curriculum phases of development do this for the ages Da, 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 da.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and the, so this as part of that the other thing that's been a key driver of uh, what we've been doing at the academy since 2015 is the the idea of systems complex complex systems yeah, I'm not sure how much you, you you cover this, but when when someone does kind of when you delve into it and look into it, it's, it's another one of those things. As I said before, when you you look into it and you say that makes sense, that's what we should be doing, right? Yeah. Um, so what, in, in short, sure, what what we see in sport and 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 football particularly is that it's actually the the thinking that shapes everything that you see in football. Um, is thinking that's based on uh machines uh, like a mechanistic view of the world and of life um rather than a human social system with complex interactions interdependency you can't predict what's happening uh people do what they want uh, networks etc etc um rather than what people like in life is to be able to say no i know I'll, i'll do my plans for football i will do my um my phases of development, and this is what I'm doing in the first cycle, and this is the and the more you go into that, more you actually say to yourself, no, you what you need to do, and sure and this is what I'd advise coaches to see if they have done, right? Have you actually thought about what is the nature of the domain in which I operate? Mm-hmm. Um, before you start. And I often what I've used in the in the presentation from the start with the staff is um just I made this little image up, and it's a it's a picture of the front of a book, and it's the handbook of football, uh, Albert Einstein, by yeah. Albert Einstein. So Einstein's book of football, right? Yeah. So if you you know, so what would his book on football look like, rather than the same old books and the same old echo chamber of what we hear all the time? So if you think about what you know, what the nature of the domain in which you work, in, so you go, it's it's human, it's complex, um, it, it's I guess a, a good way of explaining, um, and we use this quite often um, in the academy. So if if the thinking that we usually use um, was actually the correct type of thinking, then everything would work in a predictable way. It would just be, we, we decide to do this, and it happens, and everyone gets better, and we win every game, and everything's perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, the most interesting concept that comes from it, that you, when you realize it's a human system, and it's a social system and it's adaptive and it's unpredictable the really interesting concept that I, you know your listeners I, I, you know just get them to think about it is the concept of unintended consequences mm. so in, in everything that we do in football and i guess in life so i i intend to do something right now if your academy was like a production line in a factory with no unpredictability of parts the wheels go round. the belt keeps going at the same pace if something goes wrong I just know I've got to get a screwdriver and fix it and then it's done um and but so you in, in a way you decide that what you intend to do and you can actually to a degree of certainty know that it's going to happen mm-hmm. in football and in, in a in a school in a in a workplace all any of these social systems you might have an intention to do something but there's unintended consequences yeah. So things are connected, and uh, you you do this for a good reason, but there's these unintended consequences, and there's so many of those in football. So, what we did at the start was to take that principle, and to and I was lucky enough to have time to develop a group of coaches before we even kicked a ball. So we had like fifty hours or so over a six month period to actually, what do we think? You know, what's what do we think about youth development? What 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 do you think of these ideas and a few quotes from einstein you know what's the definition of insanity doing Mm -hmm. what you've always done and expecting different results Mm -hmm. um and then we said so let's not do what we've always done and uh, are you happy to go on to this let's see where this path takes us so it's been very kind of emergent over the over the years so so in specifics for example um what what we've done is um re Kind of redefine the, 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 the coach's role um, Based on some of the things that I've told you already So we we shifted that paradigm So we don't have the idea that um, One way I often use it in presentations is I'd, I don't go to the field and ask the coach What are you working on?
3: Because
2: mm-hmm. I want to shift the paradigm from the coach wants to achieve what he wants to achieve to make my team better at this. So that, and I always use the idea that the assumption is there's someone with a clipboard watching you, you know, that Mm. did you achieve what you wanted to achieve in your session? It's all about the coach. So what, what I actually say to the guys is I'm not going to ask you what you're working on, but what would be interesting if I went round to the, to the 16 players and said to the, to the, each of the players now in this exercise, the, the, um because we only have a menu of exercises it's just pretty much you know and it's basically different games it's just a menu and it really changes so therefore i could go to a to um session one on block a of a monday night and say to the player player a what what do you work on on this you know block one on tuesday what do you what do you work on oh this this is where i really get a chance to work on a certain part of my individual plan which is Mm-hmm. And try to and be a player on my weak side excellent and i go to the next player what are you working on oh this is I'm, I'm, in this one i really focus on this uh, it gives me a chance to make sure i get tight and stop someone turning whatever mm-hmm. so the so the the the, the idea is that i might get 16 different answers rather than one answer from a coach cuz he's trying to take this homogeneous group uh, collectively to achieve his aim yeah so we've shifted the paradigm there and therefore by our coaches don't have to spend hours planning a session uh, I think I'm going to try 5v2 here with a couple of bouncers uh, but what if Dave doesn't come So, and then I'm going to move on to this uh, progressive for my of reductionist linear objective is put them in games where they're learning everything all the time and maybe yeah. just showing up on a certain thing and we've got a simplified game model we've kept it very very simple which again is something from one of Einstein's quotes, um, which I'll tell you later if you like. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah so It's it's it shift it's shifting that. So it's um, the the players are there to play. So when, when we got our sixty hours of training before we we started coaching, there was a few things that we said. That what let's test the assumptions. And one of the things that we kind of agreed on. If you looked at coaching or, or youth coaching in australia i guess is what we could say youth coaching in australia what do you notice mm-hmm. um coaches talk too much <laughs> is that going to help players oh, coaches talk too much right and, and and you flip that over um players don't talk enough mm-hmm. or at all you don't we don't hear from you you don't get a chance you know why don't the players lead and why don't you have a break in the in the in this exercise and the players lead it and the players discuss and the players Come back to the coach and say, we like this, we think this. So coaches talk too much, players don't talk enough. Um, Coaches stop the session too much. And we all know that's far far from ideal. Um, Our our other theory was, or the thing that we feel strongly about, was that um, based on what we knew of the existence, or the existing paradigm in Australian youth football, um, players spend too much time in non-contextual, planned, passing exercises or isolated repetition of a technique so that's that's we don't think that's the best use of the time and we think there's a fair bit of academic research that would tell you it might not be as effective as you think yeah um so yeah it might be a chance to i think there's a bit there before i ramble but yeah jumping <laughs> out no. side.
0: i suppose the going jumping a slightly away from that um, if we go back to kind of those that experience you've had in the time you have been in Australia, do you want to touch upon what you've witnessed? Obviously, in the coaching you've been doing, but what you've witnessed in the growth of of football in Australia because it's it, it's incredible. You know, from well, it is from a football. Sorry, from a sports loving country, football wasn't that big, was it? Till fairly recently, is that right?
2: No. No, it's interesting and, it, and it's still it, it's shifting but it's what what we what the situation here is it's really it's really fascinating at the same time but also frustrating is that football is has always been the number one participation mm. sport mm. and it's and the, and the number one team sport and it's and 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 by quite remarkable percentages so, But we've never been able to, to convert the the high numbers of participation and particularly in, in young age groups. So there's, you know, under six football, you know, there's there's thousands and thousands of, of under six players and it just dwarfs any other sport. What we've not managed to do for, I think for some mainly cultural reasons is not translate that to the point where football gets the, the majority of the commercial dollar. Mm, so television wise um and they're not equal in each state but there's australian rules so afl that you i think people in england know now yeah and rugby league so basically in victoria and melbourne australian rules Mm. massive um and in new south wales and queensland rugby league that's a a quick summary right but together those sports in their sponsorship revenue and not necessarily not necessarily crowds for, for rugby league an average game but the TV revenue for those uh, sports and then cricket will come in and not so much rugby union rugby unions you know struggling a bit Um but it's the number one participation sport but it's not the number one financed or sponsored sport at the moment and it's trying to shift um, so that's kind of um has been fairly constant David in the, in the time that I've been mm-hmm. involved but what what we have seen is that football's got uh, more organised. Um, the, the, the national league, which is now now called the A League, as you know, and the A League yep. Women, um, slowly improving and professionalising. We have a strong PFA um, looking after the players. Um, there's a coaches' association. We've got. I think if you look at what we've achieved over the years, um, our coaches um, and the level of coaches. And, quality coaches um has dramatically improved uh, in recent years. So the, the general standard of what you'd see out on the field in most cases would be heading in the in the right direction. Uh, I know from talking to other national associations, that's always a big challenge, you know, what's actually happening on the ground at the, at the grassroots level. So yeah, that's increased. And I think what, what what you'd have to say has changed in say the last 10, 15 years is um, the 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 football discourse has improved mm. that we there's been a real focus it, in my opinion I think it had a lot to do with so just after I started at the national association which was a bit of the career I didn't get to was that we Australia just left the Oceania Confederation yeah we joined Asia in 2005 and in 2006 I started the national association. As head of coach education mm. and one of the first things that was already on my desk is we've joined afc and we're going to adopt their coaching curriculum which meant we had to go our courses fairly short and kind of had names but you know they were named beyond their quality you know the mm. the, the state license but basically mm. they were very short um, not very in-depth courses so, what my role is to introduce C license, B license, A license, Pro license, um, and and write those courses over a period of time. So, introducing what we call the advanced courses, I'm, I'm totally convinced now that the coaching conversations that you have, and the general discourse, or what you hear on TV, that has really shifted. So I think the general um, level of football awareness in the last 50 that has gone up as a as a result of um things that have happened uh and I think perhaps I'm biased but because of how we um really supercharged what we did in the space of um, coach education coach development mm.
0: and as I suppose a, a good result of that is those players that have come through that are I suppose renowned on a world level and um, has that and like we go back to say like a Harry Kane um or you know other players that came through like vaduka and people like that did that help push that on or did that just push say for example the popularity of say the premier league in which they were playing did it have a direct impact onto you know the kids playing in sydney melbourne or you know do you know right. what i mean is it did it actually is it tangible i suppose
2: i think it is but um I know your listeners would know that I'm not taking credit for Harry Kane, but it would be Harry Cure. But, <laughs> yeah, um, sorry, no, um, yeah, sorry, but, not um, Harry. But
3: you
2: know, as, a, as a as a Millwall fan, I will take a little bit of credit for Harry Kane along the way. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, no, it, it, it's there's another there's another side debate, David, which which is still going on. Which is there's a there's a number of people in Australia, and it sounds kind of counterproductive, um, who have kind of quite strong voices want us to go back to what we were doing 20 years ago
0: yeah
2: because they think well that's when that was a system that um harry and our golden generation um a number of which were you know playing the premier league so there's yeah. who, who's also a player, um and a lot of people playing the premier league and leagues like that so there's an interesting debate there that is still live apparently that i'm not sure in which um corporate or business realm you'd say right what's the, what's the next step let's go back to doing what we we're doing 20 years ago i'm not sure if that actually is a a strong argument but so well, what i think has changed that the what we got when i said sort i of went full-time in 92 um my boss at the time um the late great in my opinion david lee um, one of the things he said and i'm not sure if it is quite but he'd always say it was at that point australia the all the coaches in the national league the vast majority were croatian brazilian and we're bringing players in um who would Mm. finish playing in england i didn't make it in england and other countries and what and it's stuck with me ever since since the early 90s the day will come kelly the day will come when we'll be we will export players and the other one which is the point i'm coming to is and one day this was us how we responded to the quote, yeah, maybe one day we'll be exporting coaches as well.
3: Hmm. Yeah.
2: And when you now see that Ange Popsikoglu at Spurs, um, yeah. Kevin Musket, uh, Yokohama and J League champions, you know, uh, and, it's, and that takes a long, as, as Ange will tell you, that takes a long time to shift that Australian coaches and, and hmm. The, hmm. Australian players. So that, that happened over a period of time. So there's a huge number of reasons. And, and, as someone who said to you at the start these things are complex and it's unintended and and it's different things that have contributed to it so no way am i saying that I'm oh it's because of me i like to feel that somewhere in that system I, I had a little input amongst the many many inputs across the country both you know cultural and technical so we're at the point now where we in australia feel very proud that one of our coaches is coaching the premier league as you it might not seem important to you but it's it's, it's mm-hmm. noticed here. Wow. Australian coach in the Premier League and not, you know, in a decent club yeah. in the Premier League. That's um that's fantastic. And then at the same time, um you know, for this call is obviously quite um topical. And you got the national women's team that's in the in the semi final, um, and playing England, um, massive crowds. So I'm not sure how much you've seen um in the media there, but the crowds here have been absolutely phenomenal. I also saw um, five games in New Zealand. Um, I was over there on a FIFA thing before this, and you know, in place like Dunedin, like a full stadium, mm-hmm. and they were taking the roof off in New Zealand's last group game for a women's World Cup. Yeah, that's and when our national team walks out the other day in the in the quarterfinal, um, the noise—like seventy-five thousand people watching this game. And then you know what a World Cup comes like, and everything's on the pitch and uh, all the logo and the flags. And then the two teams walked out, and the noise was like, you know, I've been lucky enough to go to a World Cup. It's like a, you know, a a male World Cup. So now now it's this, a World Cup is a World Cup now, gentlemen. You know, like it's, Mm. you don't see the difference. But when these girls walked out the other day, it was, it was not, not just emotional as an Australian, but it's incredible to see where we're at now. Um, and I guess that's two stories though. One is where Australia's got to in terms yeah. of both genders, because round of 16 at the last World Cup. I think there's a side story about where women's football is now, generally, in um, quality-wise. I've um, seen that come um, to where it is now over the years. Having coached a, one of the first jobs you know, what I did the six sixty eight or 7 seven-hour weeks. He also gave me the at the girls' state team, so we represented a team that went to the national championships uh, back in '94. Um, um, so I've kind of been connected to to female football, you know, since the early '90s, and to see where it is now, it's yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's I'm going to take
1: you back to what you were saying about coach education because i would see sydney fc i would ask you kelly are you outliers though in your approach because you 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 mentioned people want to go back to a more traditional i teach you do approach because Mm. for some people who are more at that linear end of the spectrum who like process it's tangible more for them that they can Mm. see i do this and there's that output where when we're a bit more creative at the other end and we're saying I'm trusting the process because I believe that this is the essence you know that essence bit you know I know you're quite big on well actually I'm not just producing young footballers I'm producing young people and there's more to it than turning them into footballers there's more in turning them to being really good people that go on to achieve other things so is there anyone else taking the Sydney SE approach that you're advocating in Australia, um, or are you outliers? Are you almost bucking the trend a little bit? Um, wh- where do you sit?
2: I get, f- get the feeling we're outliers, and hmm. um, and basically we've just got on with it since we started, yeah. and we haven't really, but you know, f- felt the need to tell everyone what we're doing um yeah. and, you know See, what's interesting in that is that maybe at the start it's because we because we didn't know where it would end up you know mm. so you, know, <laughs> you might not want to publicize it because it might go you know, it might go pear-shaped um but we're at the you know so we're at the point now that, and that's what makes it an interesting perhaps study at some point is mm. that um if because if you said to someone uh to a coach or a academy licensing body said no we don't have stages basically uh, an under 13 session doesn't look much different to what um, our reserve team or under 18s do they just play Mm -hmm. Um, so we don't have um, a staged curriculum we don't have phases of development Um, they basically play Mm. Really, basically what it is Um, Um, but it's nice to be so and if you said to someone we're going to do this uh, coaches don't plan sessions It's just a menu of exercises that occasionally changes Um goalkeepers are involved mainly in the game. We don't take them apart and do stuff on their own Coaches don't plan sessions. So therefore by changing the paradigm, therefore They're actually more thinking about now. How will I influence johnny? Because I know Johnny's a bit of this um, I know I've got different plans what when will I bring this group together? How will I influence it? Will I do it with, with some you know feedback afterwards? It's actually thick folks on the real stuff instead of this little bit of paper with the X's and O's on. Yeah. That you you know, that perhaps you show your coach assessor and he says, lovely plan, but no, it's more about what actually happens on the field for us. Um yeah. and with those, you know, all those other things that I said that we do. Now, if you'd said to someone um um in 2015, this is what we're gonna do. Mm. Uh, and by the way, we don't do a lot of defending. We think defending, we can do a lot of that just because you've got so much um, yeah. attacking and goal scoring in sessions. Let's see what happens if you know we might need to fix this later. But we don't do a lot of defending. Mm-hmm. um And if you said that to someone, you go, "Well, I'm not sure that's going to work because aren't you supposed to do this, this, and this, and this, and this? So it's nice to be at the stage now, eight years later, where well, you know, with that kind of details people say. You know it's one of the best academies in australia but no, no one knows what we do yeah um, um and whether it's an outlier or not they can say well players keep coming through and players mm. yeah, there's always four five six in the national team and you look at the first team there's academy graduates in the first team and there's players who are kind of going overseas it's like well so what you can say i get i think without um any kind of contradiction is well it certainly hasn't harmed them doing yeah, what we've done. yeah and so exactly. And what's really interesting for me, and I think maybe a few listeners, is um, this approach is actually so much more enjoyable on the way. Like, yeah, it's the coaches enjoy. It. I'm, I'm, there's not, there's no one looking over a coach's shoulder. Where's your plan? Um, yeah, and why do you win that game of the weekend? It's just like this is this will just evolve. And I, I think maybe the other things that I've just remembered that might interest your in coaches is um, it may be common. I don't know. Yeah. Our, coach, our coaches don't have teams, so they they know what team that they'll be responsible for the weekend. Mm-hmm. But training is fluid, and we kind of centrally pick the teams. So we're looking at this whole group of players rather than a coach who's got his squad. Yeah, And you have to ask him, can he play Can he mm. play 15s this week, or 16s? It's all centrally done. So coach doesn't even, on Friday, he finds out which 16, yeah. 18 players he'll have over the weekend. Because it removes a
1: bias as well, doesn't it then? Yeah. You know if it's being done centrally, the coach has no favorites, they're not like yeah. right. he's he's shining a light more, and it's not based on that player's current stage of development, you know if they're physically stronger faster in, the, in that moment, you know well, actually that yeah. person who's not at the moment would benefit from this challenge and being put in and you know maybe yeah. playing them in a different position because I think i I like it you know when I've spoken to you before, it's that intuitiveness. what's the player's mood today how far can i push how much will i step off how can i increase the challenge with that player by that player increasing the challenge what can you do more you know Mm. is it focusing more on i want you to press but i want you to show in one direction and it is that Mm. that you know where their plans are because what i quite like when i observed it and it's the stuff that you did with Mark Upton at that time of creating those journeys, those spots where conversations happen, yeah. those reflective conversations around well, what talk me through that situation today? What are your thoughts on it? I'll give you my thoughts, and it's that that yeah. narrative approach, that storytelling approach where you're you're you know connecting the dots with the players and it's not yeah. given to them you know here's your i l p yeah but now you've just got to work on it. It's that constant evolving conversation around, well, what's your ideas? What's our ideas? Let's shape it. Let's <laughs> bring it on on the grass. Let's bring it into match day. So but for people, you yeah. know, Dave, it, 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 he's not a football coach himself. So sometimes when I get my uh, coaching network people on, it can probably be a bit like, what are they talking about? But I think it's important. It's fascinating. For, uh, yeah.
0: It is fascinating.
1: So give us some of your thoughts around, because that, that, I still think that is quite cutting edge in relation to your approach. I, I, you know, I see lots of academies. I do lots of assessments for pro scholars in, in England uh, through Pearson. And you don't see that nuance coming across as much in a, in a majority. It happens, but mm. not to what I saw there. So give us an insight about that, that sort of approach, that storytelling, that collaboration that seems to happen uh, within your environment.
2: Yeah, it's a really interesting one because um, the last thing you put in that in, in your question there, Simon, is really interesting because it's when you when you are being assessed on a session, mm. um, and you have to show the qualities to tick the boxes, right? Um, in that dynamic, if you look at an average session with one of our coaches there, you might actually wonder what he's doing yeah you what know, you know it's it's almost and because we, we do a, a piece of work in educating the parents so look don't don't expect to see this this and this here because we don't do it that way mm-hmm. um and he's not going to shout and scream and tell him everything what to do he's not going to do that so it's a, it's an interesting one in terms of what um i still don't know the answer about what is an ideal coach development because it often seems to me that my sorry our coaches at the academy i'm not sure where well they go somewhere else in another mm. you know they, it's they're, they're perfectly suited to our environment because they've they've helped create that environment um but whether they'd go into another um environment and, and survive or thrive uh, i don't know um so there's i think there's two separate questions here and mm. we haven't kind of resolved them it's formal um coach education which mm, mm. It, it's flawed but there's, there's a place for it right i'm sure we'd all agree yeah. there's a there's a place for some kind of um standardized um framework of coaching some kind of consistency of approach or terminology and then the other part is you know real coach development and mentoring along the way Um, but to, to your specific point about the the environment um but by virtue of what we've changed so it's not a coach and his team um by virtue of everything's kind of centrally selected okay you've got these guys this week because you know, this guy hasn't played up as much as this guy and um, let's try him in that position in, in an older age group, etc., etc. Yeah, um, But because of that whole dynamic, it 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 takes a while. I think this is harder to notice. It takes away so many of the negative things you see in youth football. Mm-hmm. Certainly with the things that we play, the, the behaviour of the coach. I'm talking about 13s, 15s, 16s. The behaviour of the opposing coach is very often shocking. Yeah, um, And you have to think, why? Why is it? Because... Uh, Either he wants to win, he thinks it's about winning under 15, or someone's putting him under pressure mm-hmm. to win, or you must Sydney FC. And for us, it's like we. everyone in the academy knows that the at the club, there's only one, well, two coaches who are under pressure to win, and that's the A-league the coach at, yeah. and the third team, and the women's coach. They're the only thing to coach under pressure. We, I've got seven teams, and none of my coaches, even the guy who coaches in, it's like the, in the second division, that reserve team, no pressure to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you once you once you have that kind of environment um and then you then you explain to the parents that now you can see john smith in the in our first team now well he came through the hop academy didn't win a single trophy in his life we know mm-hmm. you know we there's we have some years when sometimes our team like, it might finish 10th in a yep. competition wow sydney fc 10th don't worry a number of reasons for that you know maybe we mm-hmm. had a few um late developers and it just happens sometimes no one no one gets sacked no one gets thrown out but when you say to the parents look at all these different journeys of guys who are now professional or yeah. overseas you never want anything with us um yeah so I see it as a a journey like you said simon that everyone's on their mm-hmm. own journey um and i guess the the hardest part because i, I, I you, you didn't touch on it but i'm not sure if we're perfect I think we, we always want to get better at this um to really make sure that it's um so i think it's a lot of lip service and it's about the whole person you know mm, mm. i think it's become cliched now i know it's about developing good people because that's apparently the cliche now but the, i think what we'd really like to dig into and make sure we could do it even better at because it is on our on our what we say we want to do but i want to mm. i wonder if we really are as good as we could be at, is this really about developing the whole person um, and i know there are things that we do and things that we say along that path um mm. because the other thing that i, I thank you for simon um, um two of them so one of was i'm sure you might have mentioned mark bennett um on yeah. some of your previous podcasts so thanks for pointing me in that direction with the rule of three which mm. one of our coaches ever since then actually really references it on a regular basis in mm-hmm. fact in his whatsapp in his whatsapp yesterday the rule of three was in so yep. thank you for that one and the other thumb the other one that we discussed many times um Simon, is the mental health part so yeah yeah this yeah. whole idea um and i'm not sure if I've, I've said this to you before but if if you ask the coaches at the sydney fc academy and so what's what's kelly said is the non-negotiable what, what's the number one thing that we're trying to achieve in the academy mm-hmm. you know, so professional club football players contracts and they'll tell you the number one thing that i say to them if we achieve this and nothing else i'll be happy mm-hmm. and they will tell you and i'm convinced i'll tell you no child gets damaged
3: rule yeah number
2: one rule number one that you know if we don't win a trophy or because at the end of the day if one you know for all you can win 500 trophies and get 2,000 contracts mm-hmm. but if you damage someone for me that's no no that that, that doesn't happen not not on our watch but I think that a, a nice message for the listeners would be it, but it, my suspicion was, and, and, I'm, and I feel fairly vindicated, that if that is your starting point, if that is your non-negotiable, all the other good stuff actually comes from that as the foundation. Yeah. yeah. If it's clear to you that you're about, no, I'm not damaging you. I'm not shouting or screaming at you. I'm not doing, you know, nothing against your will. Um, I know you're a kid, and what I say to the coaches, they're kids, but by the way, they're someone else's children. This mm. is what after here by the way not just some you know i, I always say it, it, it just seems to me what you see so often in football is if it's as if a lot of people in football in youth football in particular it's as if uh, well when you come into our club that the rules of life don't apply anymore it's <laughs> as if like yeah if, no no this is football different rules apply we can do these things <laughs> it's like, no 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 yeah. so a better way of shaping it for us is the football is a part of their life not apart from their life right so it's a part yeah. of their life and therefore everything they experience in your environment should reflect who they are as people how they see themselves um the values and the things that they like should be reflected it should be a um, a shock to them when they comes to football and not only should it reflect all those things it should amplify it like all the, all their good qualities whatever they are when they come to your environment that they flourish and whatever it is that their strengths are or their likes are you amplify it rather than killing it shocking them or forcing them to adapt your narrative of who you should be and how you should get there
0: yeah yeah amazing really hear that a lot do we really (laughs) i know even in some of the conversations that we've had with other coaches and it's not a criticism of those but we've never touched upon that as as a as a tenant of of how they're working with with children is it really it's 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 refreshing to hear all of the what you've said today is is brilliant
1: and I, I i think the other thing um that i like it is that it's it's not holistic because that's still something but it's strength based i'm focusing mm. on the strengths of this young mm. person the other things will come up as well. But how many of us focus on, well, we think that's a weakness and we need to strengthen that. Well, actually, sometimes that strength based approach based on that person's values, beliefs and what they're already good at. Let's elevate that to where we can get it to. And those other things will come up as a, a consequence, a byproduct of it. And you know, and you, you, you shift of, well, actually, we like in possession focus more because we think. The hidden curriculum of outer possession that will come because yeah. they want to win the ball back to go and do things with the ball so they're going to be determined to win yeah. it we can shape some intricacies around that around foot placement and closing down and what it can we can yeah. shape that but let's enjoy the bit where we're trying to regain it do things with it excite people make goals because that's why we're there you know and that's why you see the shift now in the rules of your fingernail's not offside anymore. We're shifting it back to a bit more common sense where it needs to be the whole body. And I think Salah was still on yesterday when I watched it. And you think, well, if you've got to be whole body, it should almost be his, his fingernail is the thing that's keeping him onside rather than the other side. Mm. So uh, we are getting close. And I think this this definitely going to need a, a part two, Dave, just simply because yes, of time. Yes, Because um, at the time, you know, mm. you've kindly given up, Kelly, but also... We're in the middle of our day here, and we've got to go from one thing yeah, to the other. Yeah. Um, so, if you'd be happy to catch up with another time, um, and because I think there's still so much more yeah. that our listeners could take from you, I think we're only scratching the surface here. Yeah. And uh, it would be nice if if we could do a part two in the future at some stage, near or far, but we'll be guided by yeah. you know your sort of calendar. Yeah. Um, just to to elaborate a little bit more. So we we've got a few more minutes. Um, Dave, is there anything? Uh, you'd like to ask oh, Kelly well, before got, we depart? Sorry. Oh, go on. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, 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 no.
2: Unless you want, no, I just want to touch on if, you, if if this fits the the thing you said there about you know strengths based and you know yeah. the, you know hidden curriculum. So uh, there's a there's a, a story that or a, or a, a method that we use quite a lot. So you you know, remember we spoke about a system and it's not only is each human a system of interconnected parts but then the academy is part of a system right Mm -hmm. and this this idea of unintended consequences right Mm -hmm. so what i've often what what my coaches try to work on is that it's easy for a coach to to notice when a player makes mistakes that's that's not hard to do right Mm -hmm. so "Ah, he should have done that or she should have done that she should have done this but the real skill is is that, that that's not the hard part. It's mm. not the hard part. So the, the difficult part is now what do I do? Right? I've seen that he keeps making that run, or he, he, he doesn't do this that I think he should do. So the 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 skill there is now how do I actually intervene, or should I even intervene? Mm. So in terms of the unintended consequences part, and it connects to what you said about, you know, focus on strengths. So we, we've got our coaches because rule number one is no child gets damaged, right? So if a coach is thinking about shouting that across the session or shout, now is there a chance that that might have a negative impact on him with his mm-hmm. peers? Or so Ooh. if there's anything in your mind that have a negative impact, don't do it. Yeah, that's it. Right? So why do it? Because the other part, <laughs> the other story of unintended consequences is. The coach is usually doing it from a good place. Look, like, I, I want mm. to help him or her, right? Yeah, I've got to tell him. I've got to tell him this. i right? I'm, I'm, I really love this player. I want, I want her to get better. But the unintended consequence is, oh, he doesn't like me. He thinks I'm no good. I'm never going to make it. Now my, now my peers think I'm rubbish. Oh, he's always picking on me, and then everything gets worse. Mm. So we we use this. It's it's <clears> it's oversimplified, but I think it's a valid point. So we you could actually say, look, the intervention might be that this player that's continues to make this bad run right what if you intervened it with with a dance of self-belief so instead of telling him you're not making this run if you say to a player i love i love what you were trying to do today hey
3: mm.
2: you know you're my favorite player but you know whatever it is like put your arm mm. around him i really i love watching you play mm. you, some of the things other people don't see it but i'm really a great performer today yeah and then by that and we call it like an injection into the system you know it almost is in a human so you inject in this self belief so there is possible that by he now feels so much better as a player and i'm, I'm oversimplifying of course but yeah, it's yeah. possible into and the the piece of theory it comes from is that um problems in a system are often better solved somewhere else than where they're observed yeah that's that's hard for many coaches to take on board right mm-hmm. because we intervene directly they go straight to the player and straight to the problem so if we intervene somewhere else with self-belief and praise for example right mm-hmm. it could actually be that the the other that problem that you didn't know that that problem disappears it just yeah because of something that's happening it could even be that the problem is from something else within the team it's the past that he's getting from someone else mm-hmm. so you intervene somewhere else and we always try we really do believe in just um even to a to an overstated degree just to just give him praise self don't yeah, and yeah you, those problems will disappear um he'll find his own way but don't keep pointing out all the problems and mm. um, yeah it's, it's that. Tell them what they're good at yeah um, and find find out where to intervene rather than stop doing this I've, I've noticed it again you know I'm the police ah oh, got you again yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I think it links back to that
1: Mark Bennett stuff. Can you recognise it yourself? Can you recognise when you, you haven't quite hit the... If you can't, have you empowered your teammates to just remind you? Yeah. So then it's not coming from that coach. It's coming from a peer and sometimes, as long as that's managed well, it's more well-received, especially if it's a trusted peer that, you know, you go, I will take advice yeah. from you. Then that coach can come in with that last bit and go, hey, look, I love the way that you try to recognise. I love the way you try to support. And also, Mm. let's think about what we might do differently as we go forward. So that conversation around it is, it's, you know, we we talk about failures, first attempt in learning, you know, that that bit. You go, well, actually, it's those bits where that's the process. That's them working out. It's a sticking point for me. I'm finding a challenge. How are you going to work through your challenge? How are you going to find a way around that solution? And where do I add value to you as the coach, but where do your peers to, your parents, you know, and anyone else in around this context? Because um, it could be on match day, we're going to deliberately play you in that position because we know it's still a sticking point. I'm going to see how you get on, you know, because you're going to get exposed to yeah. it more often than you, you, you might not, you know. And I think it's all those different adaptable approaches where you just go, there's no one size fits all we'll try what we Mm. think is best for each person and um, it 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 will take time and that's that complexity isn't it well for me to be able to work within that system i have to be part of the system recognize my role in the system and sometimes i won't get it right and that will have unintended consequences and you know ripples out but because some people try to simplify it too much and it's going well look course is simplicity but we're also complexity and we have to work out that because humans are involved (laughs) Uh, it it can't be that mechanistic way where information comes in its process it goes out uh, because you know the the saying that i quite like the river never runs over the same stone twice you know there will always be slight different and nuance and we as coaches need to immerse ourselves in that given what's going on in our lives but also that young person's life and then the wider system beyond that, which is, you know, COVID is a perfect ex- uh, example of how that started to impact people's lives. But unfortunately, we will have to cut it there because I've got to. I've got one, to go one on last thing. I just go wanted go to go get
0: go. was Kelly because I know all our listeners will be asking for this: is how can they find out more about you, or how can they hear more from you? Like, are you on Twitter or whatever it's called now? X is there? Whatever, it's are you on social media? How
2: can they hear yeah. more from you? I, I don't do much i you know do we just we just get on with our business and it's I'm, right. I'm not about you know making a profile for myself um i'm happy to do chats like this um perfect so that's good yeah there's there's, there's mm. not much out there but i'm not I'm, I'm a different kind of profile should we just we just get on with it here but um that
0: sounds yeah, that sounds good I'm for us to- what we'll- well, uh, yeah. as Simon said before, I think a part two is definitely um, something we'd love to do, and and that hopefully uh, we can kind of arrange another time to catch up again, and, yeah. and obviously uh, we can discuss uh, England beating uh, Australia <laughs> in the Women's <laughs> World Cup as well. But uh, well, but it's
2: yeah, just we'll discuss the see. result, whatever it is. But, um, yeah, because yeah, there's a there's a you know the, the listeners might be interested in the, you know in the FIFA project the. the yeah. So a yeah. development scheme that we've launched throughout the world. Uh, got things along the way. So no, I mean, it's great and you know, it's great to be involved. I really enjoyed it.